0: Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen.
1: If you've ever looked into exactly what, what I guess Valentine's Day came out of, it's very weird. I will actually go into it just kind of to fill time I guess Um, because I and I did the time of studying it Um, So actually it started long ago uh, And I can't even remember in like what culture But it was actually a It was actually a festival of fertility Is how it started and I won't go into what they did in that festival, but it's very weird and then, um, so weird. I think the Christian culture decided to take it and try to Christianize it, and go, "Hey, let's just let's just do something a little bit different than that fertility stuff." Um, but uh, so, and it, I think the it was called Lupercalia or something like that was the festival name, something like that. But anyways, uh, and then it goes on to um, that there were actually several Saint Valentines. Um, And one of them, as Cornelius II was the emperor, realized he was at war and realized that single soldiers without family and without any of that make way better soldiers. So he banned marriages in that time. And there was this one priest saint valentine that decided that he was going to still behind the scenes still marry couples well finally he got caught he got sentenced to death and as he was in jail um he fell in love with none other than the jailer's daughter and the last letter that he wrote when he died on february 14th when he was sent to to die he signed off his letter as from your valentine and somehow we got a holiday that we decide to give cards to people and chocolates, and uh, that's kind of a, the history that I, I dove into. Um, doesn't really tie in anything. I just feel like if I didn't say anything, I did all that studying for nothing. Um, but anyways, I guess what you could pull out of that is love is misused in many ways. There, there's different things that we put in it, different things we can find in it throughout the, throughout the the years of history and everything else. Um, but also, like on on Valentine's Day, um, I I did a very quick little study. It's the numbers could be just you know on this one website I don't know, but from from what I looked at, 62% of the world celebrates today as Valentine's Day. That's a pretty big number, really, um, across the globe. Um, and then I found out that 20, about $21.8 billion in the United States is spent on Valentine's Day. And I did another study, and I say this very lightly. Um, I'm not trying to, uh, to poke at anything by any means. But our divorce rate—I won't even go with the numbers—is crazy. So what that shows me is there's a misunderstanding of what love is, a misunderstanding of what today's about, and I guess a Christian culture—not um, necessarily the world or anything like that. Um, so, uh, so I kind of want to take us on kind of a a little bit of a journey of what what i've learned over the past few years i i've had so much influence on the love um you know sophie made me a shirt it says join me on the love boat um, on this love boat on this ride that i've been on i have just i have so much to share so like it's so hard to decide when you know you're going to speak i, I speak about love every single time um so i mean it's not even a a surprise, but when when you come into a atmosphere like today, what do you speak on? And the one thing um, I learned from again, I have so much influences across the board that um, I could show you all the awesome like ways that he introduced me to certain voices and and stuff like that. But one voice of mine is Ron Carpenter Jr. Um, And early in my Christian walk, I really listened to that guy a lot. And he teaches on some things that that made me think about this. He doesn't necessarily teach about this very thing, but he says something. If you don't know the purpose of a thing, abuse is not far away. You will inevitably misuse it if you don't know what it's there for. Um, And he even goes on, if I didn't know what the purpose of a microphone is, I may go home and start hanging pictures with it. He says, but how do I know what it is? The manufacturer tells me we made this for the purpose of. Now, love is so misused in the English language that we only have one word for it. We 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 love our kids. We love our moms. We love our spouses and we love mashed potatoes. Way different loves in all of them. Right. But we have one word for it. So that's how it gets misused. Use my my youngest son. He loves everything. I love that prayer. He says, "I love this. I love that." I mean, he, you can tell he just he doesn't understand the full use of what love truly is. He just understands that his his feelings are connected to it, and that's where love in our culture gets very um, rocked very quickly. That's how it gets off rails. That's how it gets derailed, is because love. When you open the Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it defines His love and there is not one feeling in it, not one. I've I've read it a few times to where I know that there's not a feeling in His love. But we marry people on feelings and our feelings can flee. We can feel 17 different ways about what we're going to eat for lunch after we leave here. We can't marry people on fleeting feelings. As, as Christian people, we, we, we have to set the bar where God has set it, not where we're setting it. And, and that's one thing that I think He's really dove me into to love is, uh, you know, over the years, as, as, you, as you open the Bible and you see it come alive, and you see that He's transforming your heart to be this very thing that you're reading, you come into obstacles of people that send you scenarios that are hard to lay down your feelings. Some people that we could easily say that may be hard to love. The reason they're hard to love is because we don't understand what love is. We understand it as our feelings say they are very hard to love right now. But his word says, I loved you yet while you were still an enemy of God, while you were still sinners. That's how we misuse things is because we don't know what it's there for. We don't know the purpose of it. We've used the gospel alone as in a benefit for our lives. I'll give you my life as long as you make it easier on me. I will give you all of it as long as you make this situation disappear. Change their heart so my day's easier. And when you read love, Jesus, what Jesus walked out, That's not even remotely close to what he's calling us to, and uh, so I I've done a study. It's been a while since I've done it, um, but it just came to mind the other day. So in the Greek, so in the English, we have one word for it. We used to have two. I'll come back to that. Um, Kind of in our culture, in in one of our Bibles, we have a different word for love. um, we don't use that Bible very much, but it's the King James Version. Um, but I'll get back to that. So, in the Greek, they have four different words for love: they have storge, eros, and phileo, and agape. And those are four different kinds of love. And uh, so, going into it, I'll start with stargate. Stargate covers a very broad um, spectrum. But I'm going to narrow it kind of down to this. It's a family love. It's instinctual. When you have kids, you're just instinctively ready to look out for their best interest, right? Um, and, and that gets pretty tossed around and because of that misuse of where our love is supposed to come from. And we can easily get mad at our kids because they don't listen to it. I'm looking for your best interest right now. They don't care about you out there and you rather take their opinion and you get mad. is because we don't understand even that love. That it's not always reciprocated for it to stand on its own. There's a reason why in 1 Corinthians it says love endures through every circumstance. Love never fails. It's because no matter what you throw at love, it remains intact you can't manipulate it you can't you can't make it act any other way than what it is because it just is but we don't use it that way we use it for our benefit and that's why all right so uh stargay yes um instinctual love and then you have one that i talked about with my wife and it makes her blush <laughs> eros <laughs> eros is a romantic more of a lustful, I won't say that word, um, <laughs> lustful, feeling, romantic, right? romantic, all that stuff. Um, that's where Eros comes in. It's a God-given love at that. It's not a bad love. Outside of what he's given us, it is bad. But if we understand what it is, and that's what happens, is we misuse it. We use it for our pleasure when love in first Corinthians says love doesn't seek its own. It's not selfish. We normally seek eros in the sense of our feelings, and I want to just fulfill them in this moment and you can throw away whatever's in front of you after you fulfill your needs in that in that love and it gets misused and abused in that arena as well. And then you have what's called phileo, which comes from. Um, like Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's a brotherly kind of love, um, a friend love. It, it ties very into stargay. It's kind of an instinctual thing. It just comes kind of natural. Um, and uh, I guess I'll kind of leave it there. Um, uh, and then you have the greatest love of all the loves, a love that you can't explain explaining this love is like explaining who God is because it says that God is love how can you explain god and then if god is love how can you really explain love i mean it's very unexplainable it's so open we get so the word is agape love and we get the word off of agape agape means wide open There's no contingencies on it. There's no circumstances. It's not circumstantial. It's not under condition. It's an unconditional love. It's a love like that's never been shown but one time. And it was shown on the cross. For all time. It's a love that we can't even understand. Uh, I mean, even even trying to figure out where to go from this this moment and this word and trying to explain it just just to make it clear enough to get our hearts pumped up and energized enough to understand that He's breathing this love back into our hearts. There's something that we lost in the garden that He's revived back into us. Jesus came. He sent His one and only Son. Why? Because God so loved the world. The fact that we're not standing as his bride, you know that song that we just sang, that you will have your bride, rid of all her shame, shows that we see the bride right now a little beat up. The fact that we can still have a song like that in this time shows that we're not quite there as as a bride. It doesn't mean that there's not pillars being planted out there. There's not people that are, that are voicing the love. I mean, you can go all the way back to Martin Luther King. That's what he was preaching. God's love. God's love outside of race, outside of, of everything you've put on other people. Lay it down. No matter what they say to you, no matter what they feel about you, you rise about it because you have love inside you. And love never fails. How can you hang on a cross while they spit at you? And say, forgive them, Father. They don't know. How can you do that outside of what I'm saying? You can't, it's impossible. That's why it's impossible outside of Christ to please Him, because love is what fulfills the law. He says, You can hang all the laws of the prophets on these two things love your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. I'll come back to that. Ken, can you do me a favor? Um, Open up, and this could be way off, and it's going to be embarrassing that I'm doing it on the (laughs) microphone. Open up Romans 14, um, and tell me what that is um, when you get there. But um, So, so kind of back to agape love. Um, Before love came, before Jesus came in the form of love, in the form of God's Word made flesh, before He came like that, we had laws. And what was the law put here for? Does anybody know, like, just right offhand what a scripture says that the law is there for? Anybody? It says the law is there, so it shows you, it can show you, Peter, or Paul writes about it, it shows you that you're away from God. Um, and then, sorry, that confused me. Uh, Hold on one second. Um, jumping ahead now. Um, but he says it's there to show it. How would I know that, uh, coveting was wrong if God didn't tell me it was wrong? And what does Romans 14 highlight? The, the headline of that law of Liberty. So law of love, it's the same thing. So if you read that, um, can you actually read that? Please. Yeah, do it. So this is the law of liberty, the 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 law that comes after the law of Moses.
0: Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before one judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another any anymore, but rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or to cause to fall in our brother's way. You want me to keep going?
1: I think he was showing in my heart. Um, so basically what he's saying in a nutshell from what I've, I've read and by all means continue reading that when you guys get home, um, I just don't want to get, there's so much in there that I don't want to lose what he's putting in my heart. My main, my main thing is understanding the purpose of his law of the law of Moses that he gave to Moses and understanding the law of love, the law of Liberty, so to speak. Um, Understanding it is why what he's saying is, why are you so focused on what they are not instead of focused on what he's trying to do inside you? There's so much inside that I'm trying to. He goes, "I, I died that you might know me, that men might know me. Why would you give up that blessing And say, I don't want you to know you. I want them to know you. This this whole thing, this whole love. um, Damon, Damon Thompson or Damien, Damon Thompson. He talks about this dance called the Parachrysia Parachrysia. Or something like that, but the dance with love, God and Christ and this, this love triangle almost kind of thing. And he talks about this and that's what he wants to bring us in into a relationship with him. But you cannot do it focused on somebody else's walk. He says, quit judging others and learn in your own heart what's right. Now, here's the thing. This is where, where it's hard to teach this stuff because we have so many feelings that come involved. There are people that are leaders and teachers in the church that are there to guide and help and correct. Correction's hard from another person if you don't know what they're there for. You don't see it as love, you see it as you think you know better than me. And it's like, I don't, for me personally, When I grab this microphone, you can ask my wife. The one thing I know, it says, let us not all become teachers, for we will be judged more harshly. I understand that scripture. I don't want to correct people. That's not my nature. But if he puts it inside me and makes me go through an instance that may help another believer, I think it's almost I'm going to be judged by not saying something. But it's very hard because we don't know why we're here. We don't know the layout of things. We don't understand. We think we're all walking this alone. And it shows and indicts our hearts that we're in it for ourselves. And the first thing he says to follow him is you have to first deny yourself. And I and I say that, man, it that felt like it sucked a little bit of wind out of the air in here. Um let me let me help out here. The the main thing I want to get across is that he wants a personal. Love relationship with you. And if 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 we're always so focused on people doing things for us, because I'm a good person, like one thing that he's given me to soak, dwell, sit, and just chew on the meatiest meat that he's ever given me outside of the the love thing is he said, Daryl, when you understand when you wake up every morning, and you understand to a full 100% that not one person on this earth owes you a thing, then you're in a position to love them. It's very hard to love somebody that you're waiting for them to fulfill something in you. And now you're just loving them for your own selfish reasons. Not my word, his. Promise. <laughs> I've had to chew on a lot of this stuff, and so if it comes out harshly, I don't mean it that way. I think that's actually in the law of liberty, is you tone down a harsh word with a kind word. You you don't repay evil for evil, you overcome evil with good. That's the law of liberty, the law of love. We lay our lives down. Our life is not our own. We've given it unto Christ. Christ is now living and beating inside of me. What lasts forever? Three things. Faith, hope, and... And if we become love, we're eternal with the eternal one. We'll never die. We will always remain because love always remains. That's what he's pulling us into and to go back to uh, our meanings or our definitions of love, we used to have one in the King James version called charity. That's First Corinthians. It's all written. Instead of love, it says charity, charity. That opens up a little different avenue of what you see love in just off of that word. Because most charities are not for selfish reasons. Now, there are selfish charities out there, I'm sure, that have gotten misused, But you take all those, all of those, you take charity, you take Stargate, you take Eros, you take uh, Phileo. You take those loves. If you do not have the original source, which is agape love, you will inevitably misuse them. That's how you can easily get off track into the Eros one. You could almost combine the Eros one with the brotherly one. And that gets filthy. You could almost do it. I I won't even keep going in those scenarios. Um, That's not the mission here. Um, So. Sorry, I got like 18 things waving in front of my brain. (laughs) Um, So with understanding that there are different avenues and different different reasons for love and there's different types of love. He's calling us now. I, I've done enough searching. Wow, I'm like whistled, <laughs> Search, searching. I feel. I feel like every time he like makes us all laugh, like he's about to perform like heart surgery on somebody, like laughing gas, you know, kind of thing. But anyways, <laughs> so what he's called? I've done enough searching. That <laughs> there's always something with me, right? <laughs> Did enough searching in the, how how do you say that? The lexicon Bible, which is the Greek Bible. And you can take the Greek and match it up right next to the the straight translations. And now I cannot read the Greek, but there are um, the same symbols that reappear for the same words. And I've searched it enough that I don't even need the word love beside it. To know what it says. Now I can't read it. In that sense. But I've seen it. And trained my brain enough. To see what agape looks like. Or agapos. Or agapenin. And there's like three other ways. And they're all very similar. But there's just a few different like. Symbols in there. And what that's kind of showing me. Is there's a different tense. Of that love. It's the same exact thing. Agape love. And so I had to, to, to search because I've searched, I've put so much time into studying where love is in the New Testament. And then after I learned these things that there's different kinds, I'm like, well, how many of them do, do I think is agape and that's not agape? So I had to do all, all my research over next to the Greek. And I didn't get through it all yet. But for the most part, everything that Jesus talks about when he says love is agape. It translates just fine in agape. There's no misguided ones. Now, there is a skit that I have seen so many times in my Christian walk, and I never understood it. It just doesn't, it never made sense. It never hit home to me until I did this little study, I think it was Friday night, Um, and I'm looking through this agape word, and I keep scrolling through, I think it's First John. There's a lot of love in 1 John. I think there's like 56 of them that he talks about love. Yeah, the most out of the whole Gospels and everything combined. Um, uh, but anyway, so I get to this story, and like I said, I've seen this skit, and it's Peter and Jesus. And Jesus goes, Peter, do you love me? he goes, of course, Lord, I love you. He goes, then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? And he's like, yeah, I love you, Lord. He did it three times. And the the third time, Peter was almost heartbroken. Lord, you know everything. Of course, I love you. And it's so wild, because when I go in there, in the Greek, Jesus goes, do you agape me? Peter goes, of course I fillet you. Yeah. Of course I fillet you. You're my brother, Jesus. I've been through a lot of things with you. And he's like, no, 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 no. Do you agape me? And he goes, Lord, you know everything. Do you see what he's calling us to? He's calling us to a deeper love than we can understand. It's a love that, that goes, be, you know, peace without under, beyond understanding that surpasses all knowledge to us. It's such a deeper sense of love. And he's trying to call Peter in this moment. There's so much more that I'm calling you to, Peter. And he even ends on that third one. He's like, I know you phileo me, so feed my sheep. You almost think, did Peter miss it? Or did we miss it? All this time I've seen that, that story and I'm just like, why would he ask him three times and end on the same note? I'll be honest, like every time I, everybody, not everybody in here knows it, but I always think of Les. Every single time, Les' face comes up because that's who I always see do the skit. He's like, And Les would do it so well. He's like, Lord, you know everything about me. Never hit me. Never hit me until I'm just scrolling through that Greek and I see phileo when Peter talks and agape when Jesus talks. Blew me away. I'm like, I had to show Katie right away. I'm like, you're going to see this again, I'm sure. But like, look at this. So she's my witness. She has seen the translation of it. He's talking about different things. And we get we get twisted because we get so inner in our feelings and 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 not that Valentine's Day is all rough and nasty, but like we we as the Christian church over my period of Christian walk. I've seen the gospel preached on a Christmas morning in a guilt-driven way. They make sure you witness what, what he did. They beat him in front of you. They tie him on a cross, and you get to sit there in silence and watch Jesus take his last breath. And what happened to me personally, Now I'm not even saying this is what their mission was, What happened to me personally is I felt so guilty. I had to apologize to Jesus and I would do it over and over again. Every time I'd see it, I'm sorry that uh, I suck. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't do it, Lord. I'm sorry. I, I, I nail you to the cross over and over and over again. And it sends the wrong message because he was not driven by guilt. He was driven by agape. When Jesus hung on the cross, I've heard people say that Jesus had legion of uh, angels ready to move on his behalf, and I've heard people say that Jesus could have came down if he wanted to. I don't think he could have, because he's love. Love never fails. Love does. He wasn't. They said he saved others. Save himself. He wasn't, he was not here to save himself. He was here to save them. He's here to save us. Agape love is so much bigger than what, he was driven by love, not guilt. Becky even said it this morning, he wants to see, he wants us to see our first love, his first love. You can't do that by being guilted into this walk. It's not a guilt trip. It's I freely give my life. How, how else can you sit on a cross and go forgive them? They don't know. But they might. If I do this, they, they just might know. They might be able to see that it's bigger than what they think it is. They might be able to see that I the lord want a love relationship with them and we use this in the wrong sense because when i read the new testament anyway and the old testament the old testament points at it too i'm so like filtered in love now that like it, you, you can't send me to a r-rated movie and i won't i'll find love in there i promise you now that right there was agape the rest of it it was all trash. But there's something that he spoke over Adam and Eve in the garden. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. And most people that I've heard preach about that use the love Eros. Be bunny rabbits and multiply. It has nothing to do with that. We were one with the Father. There was no sin in that garden at that point. And he said, Multiply. My image across the earth. Having dominion in everything. That you have the power over the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea. You are one with me as I am one with the Father. And Jesus came back and he says, as the Father and I are one, so are you. He restored that image. Not your ticket to heaven. That's part of it. That's a really good part of it. Have your name written in the book of life and know that it's there. Let me see where I'm at here. We're good. We're good. Everybody's like, oh. (laughs) So, um, so moving on into, um, a deeper love that he's calling us to. Um, I mean, we went over that God is love and God is our nature. So if he, if, What he's saying to us, like I I wrote it down and I've never seen it this way till this morning when I wrote it down. Is it you think that love doesn't seek its own, it doesn't demand its own way. And I wrote it down that God commands us to love. And I couldn't help but to laugh because and I even told Katie, I'm like, there's a lot of ignorance into what I'm thinking right now. Because how can he command us to do something that doesn't demand its own way? And there's so much ignorance into what I have in that statement that you can't help but to go, Lord, help me understand why you commanded it that way. And just in this little bit of time from this morning to this very moment, he's bringing to me to an understanding that I don't just command you to do it. I'm showing you the way. I command it in the sense of, put your eyes on this. Get your eyes off the law and all the mistakes of people and all the things that you think is holding you back. Because the only thing that's holding you back is your ignorance. That's not a, a mean term. Ignorance is just, you don't know. Dumb is a, I'm not saying dumb. I'm saying we're ignorant to to what he's calling us to, to the purpose of love. Do you know the purpose of love in my eyes? Now, I can't define it. But the purpose of God's love, to me, in my understanding, I don't even know if there's a theological debate about it. It's just something I feel like he's told me. It's his purpose of his love in us is what does the work that pleases him. His love is what transforms our hearts into what He is. His love is what breaks our heart for what breaks His. His love fulfills the law. And He has shown us the way. But what do we do? We hold it, we take it, and we try to shape it into the best love that we possibly can. And we go, like the drummer boy, I did my best for you, Lord. He's going, I'm sorry, but that's kind of like a filthy rag. You, you, you've done it all on your own. And I've sent my son for you to where you don't have to do it alone. I want you all to lock arms and be an army rising up. You can't do that. You're out for yourself. Trust me, I know like, how tough it can be trying to apply this to your life because I'm not prophesying this but a lot of times when you give a message and hear a message like this it makes you feel good for a moment and then you get tossed in the arena and the devil comes to kill, steal and destroy the word that just went forth and go, see, they're all selfish and we cannot afford to walk this walk of love and determine what people don't see decide what we do see in us we can't let them steal the word from us but here's where how, how, it, how it even ties in even more to love your God with all your heart mind and soul love your neighbor as yourself when you actually put agape love first above all of and start seeking Him after what He is and who He is, He starts going, He starts just whispering to you, and He'll wreck you in a service. He'll just, I love you. And if I tell you that the Lord loves you, it's one thing. I've been telling you all for a long time, I promise you. But if the Lord comes, (laughs) if the Lord comes and tells you Himself that He loves you, and if you've ever felt it, it's what we almost chase after. It's what keeps us in the fight. That, that one little, it's like, it's not like this, but it's kind of like, I just looked at my dad, and it's like golf. 90% of people that play golf are horrible at it, but there's always one shot in a round that keeps you going back. I almost feel like he, he just gives us little shots, little doses of love. And we can start to apply them because the gospel without transformation is perversion. Anything preached out of being transformed, love transforms you into a whole new being. There's a reason he goes, put off the old and put on the new. You're a loved child of mine. But you tell people this. And people can still get caught into the arena of home life and and work life and go, I've been sold short. I've done everything I possibly can for this family and they don't care. And you can get tossed around in that arena and, and feel like you're sold short. But if you don't know what his word says about you, his love letter to you, where his love letter says that you have been bought with a high price, shows that you don't know. Because his word says you've been bought with a high price. How can you be sold short? You've been forgiven every single thing you've ever done, ever will be done. You have been bought away from all that. Forgiven. How can you hold another brother accountable? How can you get mad at somebody for something as foolish as eating something you think is wrong? And then that law of liberty, he's like, quit fighting and quarreling over the little things. This doesn't have anything to do with his love. So when you put God first and you start seeing God and who he is, he starts pouring that love onto you. And then you, st- instead of just being a forgiven person, which is awesome that we're forgiven, but instead of just feeling good about being forgiven about what you've done, you realize the door is wide open, a gate. Agape, wide open, for you to turn around and do it for your brother and sister. I I forgive you guys, no matter what you do to me, because I'm not in this race for this. I'm not in it for you to do me right. If you do me wrong, I am going to do my best with the Lord as my witness. I will do my best to love you in the kingdom. You do me wrong, I'm going to do you right. There's a pastor that I listen to and I love how he says it. If you're not ready for salvation, don't do me wrong because I'm going to do you right. And when somebody does somebody wrong and gets a whole different reaction, whew, is that hard on a soul? I've witnessed it. They like to turn up the heat. Oh, he thinks he's going to act all humble and high and mighty and better than me. After what I just did to him, they might not say it out loud, they'll turn it up. I worked at a place like that. And I begged God to save me from that job. And now I break because I'm like, why didn't you show me this stuff when I was there, Lord? He's like, oh, trust me, I'm, it's all part of my revealing plan to you, Daryl. Quit feeling guilty about it. Keep praying for them. They're not done. I'm not done. Because you can't save people, Daryl. I saved them. You're there to water. Some all this, I can't even think of it all right now. I'm so pumped up right now. <laughs> I'm trying to calm down a little bit. Uh, <laughs> we have to get this message in, inside us. And here, here's, here's one thing. I'm not trying to throw it in anybody's face or anything, but I've, I've, I listen to what people say, and, and I, and I ask the Lord to give me insight on it. Am I getting, because the problem, like I've said it before, the problem about being deceived is it's deceiving. You don't know. So you have to have an open relationship, an open heart with God when somebody might just ruffle your feathers just a hair. And you have to get in the room and go, Lord, what am I missing? Or what do you want me to, what do you, because like I'm feeling a little bit of something and I know that's not you. So show me, show me. So there's a lot of things I have to work on, a ton of things. And he's still working on me. I get it. But I know where he's taking me. He's taking me to perfection. You can ask, let's put it this way. You can ask like a gold miner, a coal miner, ask them how many times they go out to the field to dig up dirt. I guarantee you're not going to hear one of them go, we don't go out there to dig up dirt. We go up there to find gold. We have to be careful on what we're digging when we come to church, when we go out of church, when we're, when we're on his behalf. We have to be careful what we're digging for, right? I don't know why he took me down this path. But um, he, so, here you go. It's like this. Jesus said it. It's, he said, the kingdom is like a, tre- a guy that finds a treasure in a field. He reburies it, goes off, sells everything he owns to buy the whole field, the entire field for that little bit of treasure. Love is making us and transforming us to be so focused on that treasure in people that the dirt we don't even pay mind to. Paul writes it like this He says, Make account and allow for people's faults. Put grace there. People aren't going to always just be right in the moment. But it's not about being right or wrong anymore. It's about being righteous. And righteousness fixes wrongs. But it does it through love. And uh, I, was, I was talking to Katie this morning kind of about the message. And, and we get so twisted in, in, in Valentine's Day love kind of thing and the 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 feeling of love and the puppy dog love and i mean i'm sure pretty much every one of us in here has has had feelings that you almost can't even control about another person and a lot of times as you get older you try to chase that feeling again keep trying to chase it and then they make a holiday for you to chase it even harder to find the right feeling, to find the right connection, to find that thing. And he, and he showed me that like we don't want to do that in church either. We don't want to chase God. At, Ken said it. He's moving in so many different ways right now. If you're chasing him for the one moment you had with him, you might just miss him in this moment. You can't get so on the sensual bandwagon that every time we get in service, I don't feel it. I don't feel it. You have to know that it is written. What did Jesus say to the devil? For it is written. He didn't say, for I feel like God said. He said, for it is written. And I'll tell you this, for it is written. He says that you're loved. I don't feel loved. It is written. It's as simple as that. He has wrote it so simply for us to go back over and over. The cool thing about the Bible, you can open it up and it don't change. People try to change it, but it doesn't. It stays the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever of all time. God doesn't change. He's saying the same thing from the beginning of time that he is right now into the end of time. I love you. I love you. But we can easily tie it in with what we've known about love. I'm sure almost every person here as they were a kid took a took a flower, he loves me or she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. You can't do that with Jesus. It's, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. I heard Todd White say this, and I love how he he does it, is he said, Jesus is up there with his wallet, right? And he opens it up to my picture. And he goes Gabriel Gabriel, do you see this one? I love him so much. I love him so and he, Gabriel's like, dude, I, you showed me three times today, Lord. We have to understand he loves us that much, but it's hard because everything we've been taught about love is we've seen affection behind it. we've seen an action behind it. It's hard when when he's an invisible God and Jesus is up there right now. But He sends vessels. You, or you, me, (laughs) left, right. (laughs) He sends us out to be the messengers of His love. But if you can't understand what He's calling us to, to call us to love Him and love our neighbor, if you can't even understand that He loves you, it's going to be very hard to love yourself. And if you can't love yourself, there's absolutely no way you're going to care for a stranger, a neighbor. But there's one thing he taught me a long time ago, and I've, I've told you guys about this, is he taught me to look into the mirror, into my actual eyeballs, which is so weird to do, and recite what he said about me. And I would. I'd spend more time than I'd like to admit in front of the mirror. <laughs> telling myself that I'm spotless I'm blam- blameless I'm above reproach and there, there, there's times where I would get it so worked up in me you, I don't think you could have shook me but I was still missing a piece and he's been slowly showing this over time to me that he goes Daryl you know how you looked at yourself for so long that's how I want you to look at everybody you see because I've died for the same reason for them. And now I look at people as they're spotless, blameless, above reproach. Love is placed inside of them. The breath of God, the ruach of, ruach of God. The life lived of God lives in each and every one of us. And if we could understand that as a whole body, Understand what he's doing for us. We don't have to sit here on a Valentine's Day and go, love is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. We know exactly what we're going to get with Jesus. He tells us all over the Bible. He said, you want to follow me? It's going to cost you. Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you'll have no part with me. What does he mean? Unless you, every being of you, until that hunger's for me, and me being your primary focus, and me being the one that drives you, me being the reason of life, you can't even have any part with me because me, I'm not seeking after me. The Lord sent me for you, and I want to do the same for you. He said, All authority has been given unto me, therefore you all go in my name. What's his name? Do we truly understand what his name is? Do we truly understand what the word is there for? We say it in moments, but do we understand it as a whole? We can easily say that it's a love letter to us, but do we see it that way every time we open it up? Every time it collects dust on the shelf, that's not a A dig. I'm just saying. That's how it gets dust on it. Because we forget. We forget why he sent his son. And he didn't send his son for us to just be loved. It's part of it. But he's like, now that you're loved, now you know how to love. Now you know how to go out. Now you're my disciple. Hold on to these teachings and then you will truly be my disciple. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's a lot of truths out there. But if you don't hold to his teachings, it's easy to mix those purposes up and abuse is not far away. He doesn't want us to abuse his love. He wants us to multiply it. And on an awesome Valentine's Day, um, as you may be waiting for flowers and chocolates, I don't think that's negative. And that and that thing, I think it's good to buy your spouse flowers. And I didn't buy any. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> set myself up there. (laughs) Disclaimer. (laughs) I think it's good. I, I really do. But understand that if it doesn't happen, you're still okay. That God still loves you. God's still working on your marriage. Paul writes about this and I think this is the driving factor of it. He says, I've been I've been almost in every circumstances, circumstance, and I've learned to be content in all of them. I've had a lot, I've had a little, and I can be content. I've been hungry, I've been full. What makes him content? His understanding? I think it's his understanding of that God loves him and there's a bigger purpose driven on the inside of him. That he was made for greater things. And greater things still to come. He's doing a new thing in you. But how can you receive it if you always think and you're scared about the next situation? What if this doesn't work out and to my benefit? How do I step into this? I wrote a word down right when Ken started talking. It's funny how he just can trail you right back to that. It's in my pocket. Complacent. As we're building a church we can get complacent so easy that we've all sacrificed enough. We're gonna put in the towel, just as far as I'm going Lord, until other people step up. He's going, well are you gonna follow me? Because I've asked you to follow me not them. We can't get complacent in this thing. We are building a church. And it's, it's gonna come at a high price. But I think we all knew that stepping in this door, that it was not gonna be easy to start this thing. But we can't get complacent in this. You can't get complacent in your marriage. Because what happens in marriage is we get complacent. We know what each other's going to do, and all of a sudden, some of those other loves in there start fading out because now you're just doing your role, and I'm more worried about your vows to me than I am to the vows that I gave to you. And we get complacent. And that gives a foothold for the enemy to just we heard about the enemy. And the Bible says, do not be ignorant about his devices. But it says perfect love cast out all fear and anything driven outside of love is fear there's two options, fear or love you might not feel the fear but if you're not operating in love it's because of fear of what may happen he has called us to love love not just hearts blooms and flowers but a life laid down for another and He loves you today. I, I can I can't stress enough how much the Lord loves each and every one of you. And you may you may not even have been been uh, uh, born into a family that understood your value and your potential and your purpose. But I'm telling you, this is a family of God, and we we will try our best not to miss what you guys are. We've we, as definitely as a leadership team, I'm, I'm speaking on their behalf. We are doing our best to love you the way that God is showing us to love. We are doing our best not to miss it. So if you grew up into that environment, don't keep those uh, experiences when you come into to his house because it says that his house is a house of praise. And all that stuff gets to be left behind. And I know that God, when, when he told me that I have a lot of value in the kingdom, he's saying the same thing to each and every one of you. I've learned it enough in that. Um, but uh, I'll end with this. So 1 Corinthians, we pretty much covered that today. That's agape love. If you turn your Bibles, do them with me. To, you don't have to do it right now. I'm just saying. If you turn your Bible to the next page... It says, let love be your highest goal, but also, also seek gifts and prophecy. Once we get this thing on um, and and knowing that love is moving us, that that the reason why my mom's in kids' ministry is not because she's kid-oriented, it's because she has love for kids. She's and we have to pray that over every, every part of our ministry and every part of our avenues, that everybody that we're, we're serving with is doing it because love is our highest goal. Because if we don't do it out of love, we're only doing it out of, it makes me feel good. So when your opportunity gets crossed and it gets put on the back burner and it's burning inside of you and they go, not now. If you're doing it for the wrong reasons, you can grow weary. Your time will come. I always look when I get in those moments of like, why why are we not doing this? Why are we not doing this? I look at the story of Noah. Read that one. He didn't save not one person other than his household. And he preached for 80 years. So... (laughs) don't grow weary. That's just a, I guess, a tip for me. But let's move on with love, not move from love, but with love to the next chapter. Let's start pushing forward to the gifts and callings and the awesomeness that he's given us because love is here. He doesn't heal people because we want to feel important. He heals people because of love. You're going to be healed, Dad, I promise you. I read about it too often. He's going to heal everybody that has fallen away because love does not fail. And I refuse to let experience tell me that it's because they don't want to. He's put pillars outside here. We are those pillars. We are to go reach them. We are to keep nudging them. God's still speaking the same thing about you. I don't care how far you go away. He's still saying the same thing. And I refuse to let let you be Lord over your life when He's the Lord of your life. I've already seen you give it to Him. And it's time to remind people that. It's time to get out there, not because we want them to, because of love. Because love is pushing us. Love isn't seeking its own, it's, it's with, with the title I guess of, of kind of more of a gifting on me of evangelism, the one thing I understand is I, I can teach evangelism all day, and I can get it wrong, but if I teach love, love is evangelistic, because it doesn't seek its own, it's too worried about another. It lays its life down for another, but let's get out there and be love, the bride of Christ, he will receive his bride, rid of all her shame. A lovable bride, made whole, Christ's bride, because he washes us with his word. He keeps us pure, he keeps us on the right track, and it's all driven by love.
0: We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.